0: E-Sharp Talk, the regular podcast of E-Sharp Magazine. Go to e for free access to all the podcasts to date. Uh, this is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Lord Mandelson. Peter Mandelson is a former First Secretary of State of the United Kingdom and a former European Commissioner for Trade. Peter, we're obviously going to talk about Brexit, but one of your many earlier hats also was, was uh, Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. And obviously, in the Brexit talks, the, the, the question of this hard border between uh, the Northern Ireland the Republic of Ireland has become very, very salient in the past few days and weeks. Uh, do, you ever,
1: do you see a solution out of what seems to be at the moment an impasse on this issue? Well, I certainly think there needs to be a solution. It's not something that can be put onto the sort of too, too complicated to handle or too difficult to find a solution uh, pile. Uh, there has to be uh, a way forward found. Uh, the British government carries the primary onus and responsibility uh, for doing that. Look, let me just jog back a bit on this because I think people don't understand why it is so important, the question of the border in Ireland. It was a very important part and feature of the Good Friday Agreement that in addition to Northern Ireland remaining part of the UK, whilst the majority of the people in Northern Ireland want that, it was also envisaged that in effect a single Economy uh, across the island of Ireland uh, should be encouraged, it should emerge and that's exactly what's happened to all intents and purposes there is no border and we all know that the border uh, has had huge totemic significance um, uh, in that uh, island uh, and for it to reappear now and to reinsert itself I think uh, would be very, very destabilising I think it would give encouragement uh, to those elements who are still prone to uh, resorting uh, to violence. It would certainly give them targets. Certainly give them something to fire at. And you couldn't say, I've said that in the last, you know, ten years uh, since the Good Friday Agreement, uh, twenty years since the Good Friday Agreement uh, was a, was agreed. You know, you have literally almost a single economy, you have a single labour market, you have a single educational market. You know, this is really, really fundamental uh, to Ireland's uh, stability and it's got to be addressed primarily, as I say, by Britain but also by uh, the EU27 as a whole. But do you see any signs of the British government who are obviously negotiating this, this deal,
0: the Ask 50 talks with the EU27 counterparts actually coming up with some kind of solution? Well
1: they say that Uh, that they uh, are opposed to any reintroduction of a hard border. Um, But they don't explain how they're going to avoid that. And and look, let's be clear, this problem arises from the British government's choice, and it was their choice, it wasn't a decision taken in the referendum, but the British government's choice to leave both the single market and the customs union. Uh, If Britain had remained in both, you wouldn't have this issue, because uh, you would have uh, the island economy, in Ireland, uh, underpinned by the joint and shared membership of the, of, of, of the internal market and the customs union. Now, I don't believe the British government really reflected on the implications mm-hmm. for Ireland uh, when it took that decision. I'm not saying that if they had considered it, they would have reached a different conclusion, because remember, they're approaching this in a very political, ideological uh, way. Uh, it's politics that is driving this for the government not economics uh, and not what they would see as sort of fringe issues like the future of Northern Ireland's peace and stability but I'm afraid that isn't good enough they're going to have to focus on it Uh, they've let it drift for a long time uh, and in the uh, coming weeks they've got to square up to it very directly in my view It seems like the British government's inaction on this front does have have consequences the Irish government
0: uh, very understandably seems rather concerned not to say alarmed by this lack of awareness of the British government to the, the, all, the, all the challenges that this, this issue represents. I mean, do you see there's a real possibility that the, that the Irish teacher shot the Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, will actually veto any move to go from phase one to phase two at the next European summit in a month's time?
1: Well, I don't think the issue of the Irish border is something that can be resolved at the last moment. I think it is complicated. I don't think that public opinion in Britain... Understands what the issues are. I think if they did understand what the issues are in relation to the border, uh, they would approach it, you know, rather more sympathetically and realistically than the government appears to be doing at the moment, because it's so clear what's at stake. We don't want to go back uh, to that unstable past where different elements uh, on both sides of the community divided Ireland uh, were able to exploit these grievances uh, in order to use violence to. Uh, to press their case. So nobody, I don't think, uh, in, in Britain will want to go back to this. Uh, and it, it is a very real risk if we see the reintroduction of a border that would have to be policed, there would have to be customs arrangements imposed, there would have to be police, possibly supported by the army on, on, on both sides. And before you know where you are, all that we have achieved in the Good Friday Agreement, agreement and since as a result of the peace process uh, uh, would be uh, put at risk. And I don't think anyone in their right minds would want uh, to do or create any circumstances in which that risk is being created.
0: Okay, let's move on to the Labour Party then. Um, until at least, least recently, the position of the Labour Party vis a vis Europe and Brexit and the Article 50 negotiations has been seen as one as. Um, Constructive ambiguity, is that still the situation or is the Labour Party also guilty of trying to use that, use that famous phrase, having its cake and eat it?
1: Well, I think the Labour Party, um, paramount, sort of priority and important, wants to defeat a hard Brexit. The uh, Labour Party says it wants a jobs-first Brexit. I'm not quite sure whether that isn't a contradiction in terms myself. Any Brexit is going to uh, harm jobs and investment in Britain. Uh, ...as a result of the shock that the economy will receive... ...when we finally leave in the years uh, following. How big that shock will be, nobody can foretell at this stage. But if you want to put jobs first... ...you've got certainly got uh, to defeat uh, the hard Brexit... ...which is the course on which the Conservative government is is embarked. That means not just coming out of the EU... ...but also the economic structures of the EU. The internal market, the single market... Uh, And the customs union. Secondly, I think that the job of the Labour Party uh, is to uh, ensure uh, that the British public are able to take a rational and informed uh, uh, decision about the choices that flow from the result of the uh, referendum. Uh, uh, We haven't actually heard from the public, Mm -hmm. uh, except in the general election this year. which most people uh, understood uh, uh, to mean uh, that whilst the public, you know, were not those who voted to leave and not having second thoughts about it, nonetheless uh, want, a, uh, want a, ser- a softer, more intelligent, less economically damaging uh, Brexit than the one that the government is presently uh, uh, planning. And so I think the job of the Labour Party is to say, look, hold on a moment. You know, we're not, not travelling along the right course. It's a very bad destination for Britain. It is going to damage our economy significantly. It is going to make people uh, poorer. It is going to put jobs at risk. Let's pause this while we consider what alternative options uh, we have. And I think that the Labour Party um, should look, is looking for opportunities. Uh, 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 in Parliament, to, to put the whole thing on uh, pause, to stop the present course on which we're uh, travelling, uh, so that people can, as I say, um, have a more informed debate about it, rethink what we're doing, uh, and come to the conclusion uh, what, that whatever we think about staying in the European Union or indeed staying in a reformed. European Union in the future because that's also an option. One thing we certainly don't want is these order of economic calamity uh, that the present government's policies uh, are, are, are suggesting. Well, you mentioned the Labour Party in Parliament, and course you're a member of the House of Lords, of the upper chamber,
0: in, in effect. Um, explain maybe to our listeners, uh, maybe who are not British, from some of them, the, the potential uh, scope there is, both for members of the House of Commons on the one hand, even. Your peers, literally, in the House of Lords to influence the future outcome of the, of the discussion, both in terms of the Great Withdrawal Bill, or if it's called East Aid, but also generally uh, holding
1: the, the government to account. In the House of Commons, the majority of MPs supported Remain in the referendum. And even those who believe uh, that. You know, the outcome of the referendum, the result should be respected. I think very many of them also believe that we should have Brexit on the best possible terms uh, that serves the national interest, not the more narrow dogmatic uh, uh, interests of the ideological right wing hard Brexiters in the Conservative Party and I'm talking about many Conservative MPs uh, who, who don't like the course along which the government is currently travelling and of course the overwhelming bulk of Labour MPs Liberal Democrats, Scottish Nationalists think the same. So there's a majority potentially in Parliament for altering course. The problem is that that potential majority is scattered across you know, different parties uh, and in uh, the... Adversarial uh, uh, system uh, that we have in Britain, the two sides of the House of Commons facing each other with the Conservative whips out there in force saying, you know, don't rock the boat, don't challenge the Prime Minister, don't question what the government is doing uh, because, you know, this will you know, our unity will fall apart and you're opening the door to Labour government and Jeremy Corbyn. And that is compelling for some in the Conservative Party. But amongst other Conservative MPs, I think there's a very real concern that the entire Brexit process since the referendum has been hijacked uh, by a very hard-nosed minority, of course, cheered on by the Brexit Press, which commands about 75% of the circulation of British newspapers, Uh, but that now uh, the Conservative Party has got to act in the interest of the British people as a whole uh, and and not that minority uh, within their own uh, ranks. And I hope uh, that the House of Commons will find an opportunity to do that. They're finding their um, courage, their voice and possibly even their ability to combine in different votes across party in the amendments that are currently have currently been tabled uh, to, to the withdrawal bill. When it comes to the House of Lords, I hope the House of Lords will think similarly. Mm. Um, uh, we are the upper house of Parliament. We have as much obligation and responsibility as anyone else uh, to act and speak for the national interest. That's what we're there for. We weren't elected and therefore the democratic mandate we have is not the same as that of members of the House of Commons. But even so, if we were not directly elected, it doesn't absolve us of responsibility for doing what's right for the country, and I hope the Lords will do that.
0: OK, let's finish off then by talking about maybe activity outside Parliament. I mean, before you became a professional politician, you were a, a campaigner, strategist. I'm sure you still are very much a strategist and a campaigner, Peter. Um, there's a kind of received wisdom out there of course, that a public opinion actually is now reconciled by and large to... To, to Brexit, you know, but also a feeling maybe but in some quarters people in, uh, who have been canvassed their views in these polls, that opinion polls that, that the Remain camp has sort of has given up and has not been particularly active or, or effective. If you were in, in involved in giving advice to some of these campaigning groups, which still exist of course uh, on, the, on the Remain side, what advice you can give to these, these, these campaign groups, these Remain groups going forward? Uh, maybe drawing on the lessons they learned from the actual
1: referendum campaign itself 18 months ago? I think they, I would advise them to do what they are already doing to a, a great extent, which is, first of all, to make a distinction between the result of the referendum and the subsequent choices that have been made by the Conservative government. Right. Those two things are not the same thing. Um, in effect, what the Conservative government uh, has chosen to do is to take the very steepest path available towards Brexit, Uh, and that is to come entirely out of the EU and its economic structures, its market and its customs union, and then having found itself all the way out and on the other side of Europe's periphery to try and somehow tunnel their way back uh, by some means of negotiation. Uh, And that will always be an unsatisfactory and self-limiting process. We will never get what we want uh, because uh we want access uh, to Europe's single market of course we must have that because it represents it is our largest export market by far in the entire world and whatever the hypothetical gains people talk about in America or China or India let me tell you those gains are going to be very hard to achieve it will be a long slog negotiating greater access uh, to those uh, currently quite protected uh, economies not saying we shouldn't try uh, but don't imagine. Uh, that we will get all that we want all, or that what we want we will get quickly we won 't and I speak uh, with the experience of a former European uh, trade uh, 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 commissioner, but what we 've got to do in my view, is to put back to the public uh, a choice uh, b- between what is available to us and what the european twenty seven are offering to us' We're saying you can leave the European Union, but you can stay in the single market. Mm. You can stay in the customs union. They're meeting us halfway. It is we want the Conservative government that's refusing to meet the EU27 at anywhere near uh, the middle. And of course we know the reasons for that. The cabinet is fundamentally split between those who want to negotiate the best deal for Britain to soften the impact of uh, uh, Brexit on our economy as much as possible, and others who frankly don't want to negotiate. They're clean breakers. They just want to wash their hands of everything uh, in Europe and probably go off and over time become a sort of satellite of the US economy, lower tax, deregulated, as they would see it, Uh, and certainly one that doesn't have uh, the social, environmental, and labour and consumer protections that... Uh, we have courtesy of the European Union uh, now. So there is a very big divide within the government uh, and what the, those who want to reopen this issue or keep it open uh, need to do uh, is to present the choices. We need to point out to people uh, that the decision is reversible. Mm. That's the definition of democracy. When you change your mind, you have the right to uh, uh, decide differently uh, and uh, that that's uh, uh, and that process is open to us John Kerr uh, former senior civil servant who was the author uh, of article 50 has said very categorically and nobody's actually been able to contradict him uh, that you know if we want second thoughts before we reach the end of the two-year period uh, we can put it on pause we can reverse it and that's what I think we should do to allow people to have, Uh, a a further and better informed debate. And those of us who want the best for Britain, uh, those of us uh, who operate on the basis of the national interest, uh, uh, need really uh, to encourage uh, that path. And in my view, the best political uh, means of taking that path lies through uh, the Labour Party, Liberal Democrats, Scottish Nationalists and those in the Conservative Party who care more about the national interests uh, than they do uh, the partisan views uh, that have been imposed on their own conservative party well, we have to leave it there peter Mandelson, thank you very much for your pleasure talk.